Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, this is Hunter again. I have the privilege of closing out First uh, Peter today. And as you know, as you could probably see it in your little podcatcher, um, that I, I've, I've called this one Before We Bid Farewell. Now, we uh, here at, at Pickled are going to be looking at Second Peter next. But as Peter closes his letter, we're we're going to see what what he wants to leave his audience with, and so I, w- I should note that when writing an email or sending a long form letter, it is recommended practice to briefly summarize what was said. You usually the beginning of the letter and the end of the letter are the two parts that are most well remembered. What's fascinating is. Peter does not really close his letter with a summation of what has been said. Now, some have noted that the act of summarizing what was just said it was less common in some of the letters of Scripture. Like, they do it, but they do it in a different way. And, and maybe that, that practice hadn't yet been as, as deeply established at this point in history. Um, but it's likely more just due to time and resources. Many of these guys were writing either to a group that, you know, they didn't have time for all the formalities, or they themselves were in prison and, and, and going through it themselves. And so these letters, though, were precious to the people who received them. They, they cherished these things, so much so that many of them go on to be canonized into our scripture. Peter is writing to the dispersion, which he is called Beloved. And in closing his letter... He is going to now address a couple specific portions of this beloved group. A group that he at first identifies as the elders among you. He says in 1 Peter 5, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And so he begins by addressing the elders among them. Peter, as often is the case with those delivering a message, is also preaching to himself. I know in, in my study for when I've preached, or in my study for, for you know, the times I've had the opportunity to share here at Pickled, I find myself like almost preaching at myself. Like, I... I I am getting just as much from it. But Peter says he is addressing the elders among them, and he himself is one. Peter would have been a fellow elder. He has bore witness to Jesus' suffering, both in prison, when Christ was alive, and in spirit through the suffering of his saints. This suffering precedes and ultimately culminates in glory. And we and we look forward to that, as Peter notes. He says, as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
but he is speaking to the leaders now, the elders among you. And this is Peter's message to them from one elder to another. He says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Peter tells them to shepherd the flock of God among them. Or, in other words, shepherd those you have in your care. And he tells them to exercise oversight. And I, I want to no note something about um, oversight at this point. When a shepherd oversees their sheep, they often do so by being in the midst of their sheep, being familiar with them, able to see ahead of them and see the trouble and, and identify the dangers. A shepherd is an overseer for the goal of addressing and dealing with the trouble and possible dangers that could befall their sheep. Elders, then, exercise oversight. They shepherd their flock. They know their people, and when something could come against or endanger or mislead, that oversight role takes on a new face. Not one that just looks on and says, Oh man, the danger is there. I can see it. But a more active role. Sometimes an overseer's job gets incredibly messy. We have an example in, in the shepherd David prior to being king. He spoke about being a shepherd in 1 Samuel and he notes the bears and the lions he had to face in defense of his father's flocks. Shepherds, as overseers, they are not meek. In fact, they faced all sorts of dangers. Sometimes an overseer's job gets messy. Peter knows the role of the shepherd. He knows that exercising oversight is serious, often challenging, and likely brings with it its own amount of suffering. And that is why Peter tells those who would like to be elders that they need to do it willingly. Elders who don't want to be elders, but half to be elders, very likely should quit being elders. God desires willing, cheerful, exemplary elders. No compulsion, aware of what the task entails and the extent to which oversight may call on them to intercede. Peter tells them, you don't do it for gain. If your shepherd lives rich off the sheep's hide, they're an unfit shepherd. Shepherds are cheerful in their post, despite hardship and harm and having not. They don't domineer their sheep. To domineer something means to assert your position or authority to manipulate or coerce or to get a specific response out of them. If your shepherd steers the sheep with manipulation, if the shepherd uses their authority as shepherd to coerce you, they're an unfit shepherd. Rather, shepherds lead by example. One of the greatest bosses I ever had was one of my, I was, I was at the end of my uh, high school, beginning my college career, 
and I, I worked in the summers and seasonally at a country western retail store. And for those of you who know me now, um, you, you might know the irony in this. But Mr. Taney, uh, my, my boss, he really modeled this notion of leading by example. I remember one day we, we, had, we had to rotate feed. So we had dog food and all sorts of like animal feeds. And when you got a new big shipment in, it would be tempting to just put that new shipment on the ground level, leaving the top stock up above. But you, you couldn't do that because, as you might be aware, dog food and the like has an expiration date. And so you need to move it around. Um, you have to uh, cycle it down. And the storage situation for the dog food was that we, you know, we would take in the load and we would put the new stock up top so that way it was it was like out of the way so that way we would use the newer stock down below and in this case you know we we hadn't used as much of the newer stock or an older stock as we had thought down below and we couldn't get we couldn't get the lift that would have made this make take a matter of minutes up into the the top stock to drop it down and and i remember mr taney you know he never once asked any of us to do this, but he, he knowing what needed to be done, I just remember him climbing up into this this rafter, this top stock, and then he one by one handed bags of feed, holding onto the rack with one arm, leaning back and handing these 40-pound bags of dog feed back to us who caught them on the ground and stacked them in the bottom stock. Mr. Taney never asked us to do that dangerous job a lot of us were just kids. He climbed up in the shelves and, and put himself in danger. And it's a simple thing. It, you know, it's dog food. It's not the most life-changing thing. But I'll never forget, like, he wasn't upset. He was, I mean, he just jumped right in and did it. He led by example. He showed our team what it looks like to take initiative. He showed he was willing to do the most difficult thing in the moment. Ahead of any of us, elders, when they shepherd willingly and cheerfully and lead by example, when they provide protective oversight to the flock, not leeching the flock, not coercing them harshly, when elders shepherd in this way, Peter says they have an ex a specific experience in glory described here as a crown. The future hope of glory to these elders who shepherd well and shepherd rightly is one where they will receive their reward. When the chief shepherd arrives, those who shepherded well will receive the, the crown of glory. And they all know one thing. This crown is laid at the feet of Jesus because all shepherds of the people of God take their marching orders from the chief shepherd. You want to tell if someone is shepherding well, you want to see if you are shepherding well, remember this. The chief shepherd died for his sheep. John uh, records Jesus' words in John 10, starting in verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hired hand and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That is our example. That is the chief shepherd. He gives the marching orders. He defines what it means to be a good shepherd. Peter, I believe, knew this all too well. John 21.15 tells us, this is recording the events after Jesus' death and resurrection. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Then he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. I have this overwhelming sense that when Peter writes his closing discussing shepherds, I just have this overwhelming sense that Peter recalled this interaction with his Savior. Now, Peter turns to address those who are younger, the flock itself, if you will, in verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Some have argued that when Peter addresses those who are younger, he's referring to spiritual maturity. Now, this very well may be, but there is a sense that age is also a factor here. He says that they should submit to their elders, the elders. And there's an unspoken here. They should submit to the shepherds who are shepherding well, but can and should avoid poor shepherds. It takes humility to say, I will follow what you have for me in this, as I trust you are a sufficient elder, 
and rightly take your direction from the Good Shepherd. Failure to be open to and submit to the leadership of good elders may be a sign of pride. Proud person convinced they need no help is an attitude contrary to God's grace, which by nature calls us to admit and acknowledge our need for God's help. Thus, Peter says, God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble, it would seem, because they acknowledge their need for it. As such, though, even if our shepherds aren't acting like shepherds, we take our marching orders from the very best shepherd. When we humble ourselves before God, Peter says, God will one day exalt us. A lot of what Peter has been discussing in his letter so far, the hope of future glory, God cares for us. We can take all our anxieties to God. And in the context of a letter about suffering, we can take the anxieties we have related to that suffering to our God. God desires that we do that, that we take that to him. And Peter tells us why. God is the penultimate shepherd because he cares for his sheep. That fact should then motivate any who would call themselves a shepherd in return. I want to note, we are not helpless. We do not go blindly waiting for our shepherds in this life to troubleshoot us at every moment. We aren't helpless. That's why Peter gives the warnings that he gives. He says, be of sober mind, be of sound mind, be watchful. In short, be able to discern a shepherd from a lion. Be able to discern how the devil is working. Because like a lion, Peter tells us, the devil is looking for someone to devour. He's looking for his next lunch. The devil will use as many means as is able and is necessary. A lion on the prowl would often roar to stun its enemy before making the kill. And with all this talk of lions, I'm starting to feel like I'm some announcer for Nat Geo, but the enemy likewise tries to stun us. He roars at us, if you will, with all sorts of things, many of which Peter has discussed in his letter. Suffering, insecurities, anxieties, guiles. The enemy would like to stun us with these. But sheep, who are near the shepherd, who have humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God, they fear not the lion. Because as we've already stated, good shepherds, they're willing to fight off the lion. As such, we can resist the devil. Peter says, stand firm. When the lion starts roaring, don't be stunned. The devil has tried these on countless others. We'll try them on countless others in the future. He says, resist him. That's active language. And that process of resisting the wiles of the devil, I should note, it will come with some suffering. That's what Peter's been talking about this whole time. Many of the dispersed beloved ones are in that situation because they did resist. After that, maybe, very likely not in this life, the God of all grace will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish those who are his. He is their shepherd. In short, 
he will undo all the damage done by the devil in this life and the life to come. The God who is able to do that is a God who has dominion and control. That is a supreme shepherd. And in many ways, this call for good shepherds, this call for discerning sheep, is the close of his letter. It is the close of the content portion of Peter's letter. But letters, it is a letter after all, usually end in a greeting. And thus, Peter's letter ends by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peter says to close by Silvanus. Silvanus is a, a likely a, a term used to refer to Silas, who had traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. Peter, it is believed, used Silas to scribe his words, to scribe his letter. Peter here regards Silas as a faithful brother. And he describes the message about temporary suffering in the face of evil and how it pales in the comparison of the hope we have in Jesus as the true grace of God. It is salvation. We will be saved. And so he reminds them one last time, stand firm in it. Next in the mentions list here is someone that is called he who is at Babylon. Now, I want to note Babylon at the point of Peter's writing had long since fallen. Rather, in their time, Babylon had become a term used for the large and central controlling power of the world. Babylon here likely refers to Rome. Then we must ask, who is this she? Now, there's kind of two assumed options here. Many believe this to be a specific believer who, if their name was listed, it would result in further persecution. After all, they are in, quotes, Babylon. Others have argued it is referring to the church as a whole there. Now, it could be. I will be honest, I tend towards the first thought, mostly because in, in just a, almost a breath, they distinguish Mark from this chi. And Mark would definitely have been a member of the church. It seems Peter has a specific person in mind, but is apprehensive to name her. And then Peter leaves them with this after mentioning Mark, who he had a very close relationship with. He notes him as my son. He leaves them with this final word, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peter leaves them with a call for peace, despite suffering, despite waiting long for the hope we have in Jesus, despite the reality that in the name of Christ we yet may die, Peter says peace to you who are in Jesus. May we have peace despite what we face, 
as we reflect on what we have in Christ. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization, and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.